We're so glad that you're here. Uh, pray that you feel at home. Pray that you feel welcomed in God's presence. And um, we're not just happy because we got an extra hour of sleep. We, we, we really do like being together. Um, we really enjoy um, having you with us and just enjoying what God's doing in this season. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the pastor here at Evangel, along with our incredible team. And can I say on, on behalf, I didn't say it in first service, but on behalf of all the pastors, this last month was um, Pastor Appreciation Month. And, uh, and you as a church body, so many cards and uh, messages of love and encouragement. On behalf of all our pastors and leaders, I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for that show of just affection towards us. We love you. We love this body. And we're so thankful and honored that we could serve you uh, here at Evangel Church. We are truly blessed uh, by you being a blessing to us, which is a good segue to the series that we're stepping into today. We're beginning a brand new series, as Pastor Paul mentioned, called The Blessed Life. How many of you are looking forward to this uh, message series? Um, this is actually connected to um, a lot of things that I'm going to be sharing with you in the weeks to come. Uh, but there's some great resources we want to put in your hands. Um, in fact, I was impacted by a book and a message uh, teaching by Pastor Robert Morris, uh, who has actually taught and writ wrote a book of the same title. We're going to be diving into some of that in the weeks to come. Um, but the Lord has just put a series of messages on my heart to help us understand what it means to live a blessed life. Because I want you to know this. God wants to bless you, okay? He desires to bless you. i got two or three people in the front here that agree with me. But from the very beginning, one of the first things that God does after he creates the world is he begins to bless. He blesses those, uh, the animals that he had, uh, that he had created, said he blessed them and now said be fruitful and multiply. Whenever he created man in his own image, he then blessed humanity. When we read in the first uh, chapters of the Bible, we see this word blessing showing up again and again and again. Often God blessing, but then also people being a blessing, blessing the Lord or blessing others. This word blessed is a word that we throw around a lot in Christian circles, isn't it, church? In fact, I was overwhelmed considering, since I've been pastor, how many thousands of emails I have sent. And the final two words before my name are, God bless. And I'm like, Lord, I pray now. Just knowing that that word is so powerful, that the Lord is blessing you. That that's our prayer. That's my prayer. It's our team's prayers that the Lord would pour out his blessings in your life. How many of you desire to be blessed? Amen. Yeah, you, you shouldn't feel bad about that that we would want to see the blessing of God. But some of us, if we're honest, we're not even quite sure what that means when we say it because there's been a lot of teaching, and I'm sorry, some teaching, even in the name of Jesus, that has taken this idea of the blessing of God and has kind of turned it on its head, has mixed it up, has, has created confusion and uh, difficulty. And so I want you to know something, especially if you're new here at Evangel, um, that we look to God's word as the, as, as the final word on how we're to live our lives what we teach and what we share, we desire to draw from the Word of God. Um, everything that I'll share, I desire to look to say, God, what does your Word call us to? So whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, I just want to be on God's side. I want to see what God has me to see and say what the Lord would have me to say. And so we go to God's Word, and that's where we ultimately learn what it means to live a blessed life. It has so much more to do with it being rich, healthy, wealthy, and, and full of material possessions. The idea of the blessing of God is so much deeper. So over the next few weeks, we're going to explore this concept. We're going to dive deeply into it. And my prayer is that through it, as we not just hear God's word, but we 
do God's word, we respond to God's word in obedience, that the Lord will pour out blessing in some special ways in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, um, in, in every area of our lives, that we truly would live a blessed life. Amen? Would you open up your uh, Bibles with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. We're going to begin in the Old Testament. And in Deuteronomy, chapter 28, there are... Um, there is a passage of scripture where the Lord begins to, after he gives Israel, uh, the people of God, a series of instructions on how they're meant to live their lives. It's called the law. As he gives them and prescribes to them all of these things, he then promises blessing will follow them. Um, and so um, as you're there, uh, say when you're there. Is anyone there in Deuteronomy chapter 28? All right. Um, I want you just to pause and I want you to look up here for just a moment because I want to unpackage something before we dive into God's word. What you're looking at right now is a part of the Old Testament scripture. The Old Testament was written thousands of years ago. And as it was written, um, it was originally written in the Hebrew language. And so in the Old Testament, the original language of the Old Testament and the people of God was Hebrew. And so Ancient Hebrew looks even a little bit different than Hebrew letters today. If you've seen any Hebrew letters, if you drive through uh, different towns in our area, even a couple streets over, you could see Hebrew letters uh, written on the outside of a synagogue or a, a Jewish temple, and uh, there you, you would maybe become familiar. But in the ancient Hebrew language, whenever these letters were being derived, these symbols that would ultimately form the words, um, each of those letters was almost like a picture in and of itself, and it had special meaning. And so for us to understand, because before we get into God's word and we talk about the blessed life, I want us to understand a definition, a working definition for the word blessing. What does that really mean? What does it mean, blessing, when God talks about it in his word? And one of the best places, and you can do this with this word, um, not every single word, but in this word in particular, you can derive the meaning just by looking at the letters and understanding what each of the letters in the word means. Does that make sense? I think I lost some of you, okay? I, I, asked, I asked Pastor Roy to bring me up uh, uh, this because you're going to see Pastor Chris's uh, poor artwork as I try to write this out for you, okay? So I said to you, each of the letters in the word uh, blessing, and now the word for blessing in the Hebrew language is Baraka, B-A-R-A-K-A-H. It's not the last president before this one, but it's, it's a word for blessing originally, uh, Baraka, B-A-R-A-K-A-H. Are you with me still? But in the Hebrew language, there are no vowels. So you only have four letters, B-R-K-H. That's what it is. Are you still with me? So now what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to write out each of these, okay? So I need a little bit of help here because I, I, I didn't want to mess up once I was uh, in front of you. Um, so I'm just going to do my best to kind of to, to, to write this out. And this is, and again, if you'll know in the Hebrew language, you don't write the way that we write in the English language. You write from the right to the left, not the left to the right. How's that look? All right, there we are. Good. So, and you guys can get get close to it. Let's see. Which which way are we going? We're going over here. There we are. Good. And you guys can zoom in a little bit closer. Watch this. When I say zoom, they're going to zoom right in. No? Okay, I guess they're not going to zoom in. Um, so this right here would be the B, R, K, H. Okay? So this B originally in the Hebrew language was meant to be a tent. It was meant to look like a home. 
So it was meant to be like your place of your house, your home, where you sleep, where you find shelter. And the people, uh, they lived in tents. So the B in the Hebrew language is normally associated with that. Uh, The R is meant to be like a head uh, that is turned and faced upward uh, towards towards the Lord, like a head or a head of a household faced upward. This right here is like hands that are receiving or giving, lifted up, like hands that are hands that are like this, and then the H is like a person with their hands up saying, hey, like getting attention, almost like say, hey, 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 that's what it's kind of like. So so do you see, I don't know if you can see the symbolism, uh, don't blame me, it's the Hebrew language if it doesn't look good, um, but that's what it is. So when you take this, you actually get a working definition just from these pictures of each of the letters in the word Baraka. And so whenever you see that, you get this working definition. It means to give or receive an inheritance, something tangible like a house or a family uh, or land or natural resources to give or to receive them um, ultimately from the Lord or to give them to the Lord. But you see this idea of looking up from above. So this is the word for blessing. This is the best definition in the Old Testament we have for this word blessing. It is receiving, and in many ways it's receiving something tangible, something that can be felt, something that can be understood and touched. And so when we talk about the blessing of God, this is what we're talking about um, in the Old Testament. When God talks about his blessing, this is what he's talking about. Now let's receive uh, God's word today from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 8. Let's look at what it says with this in mind. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All of these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Keep this in mind and let's read. You will be blessed in the city and in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and your young and your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction and flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing to your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. So this is the idea of what God promises to his people. And and through this series, and especially today, I want to give you what I'm calling three pillars of blessing. They are things in your life that are so necessary that you need to get them in the right alignment with God if you're going to receive God's blessing. I want you to know that when it comes to the blessing of God, uh, it's a little bit different than we see words like grace being used. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is getting what we do not receive. Um, God's love is something that is unconditional. He loves you regardless of what you do. He loves you right where you are. He saves you when you call upon his name. There's nothing else but that can separate you from his love if you're in Christ. Um, So you receive this, and we receive grace, mercy. We don't receive what we deserve. But blessing is a bit different. Because blessing isn't about unmerited favor, but it is also about merited favor. Meaning there are some conditions God will put on blessing. And so we'll see this in God's word. In fact, right here in Deuteronomy 28, we see one of them. God 
gives a standard, a pillar that he says, if you want to experience the fullness of my blessing, it will come at a cost. There's something you must do. The first pillar is this, obedience. I want you to know obedience is one of the greatest doors to the blessing of God in your life. Are you obedient to him? So many of us, we want the blessing of God, but we aren't yet bringing our lives into obedience to God. And I want to tell you, you can't get the blessing of God when you live your life with this title, my life, my way. If you want to live your life your way, you will get through this life. Yes, if you've called upon the name of Jesus. Yes, if you have been saved and you've been redeemed. Um, one day you will end up in heaven. You'll be in his presence. But there's some of us, man, we're running out the clock. And yes, we've been saved. And yes, we've called upon the name of the Lord. But our Christian lives have stopped there. And we're not moving forward in obedience to God. As he's showing us new things. As he's revealing more of himself to us. And we expect the blessing of God. But we're unwilling to be fully obedient to what he reveals to us. The person that's most blessed is a person who's obedient to what the Lord calls us to. Privately and publicly. You can't walk in the blessing of God without obedience to God. Are you with me? The best way I can describe this, because you say, well, then is God, if I'm not obedient, is God angry? Is he punishing me? Is he going to hurt me? Is he, um, you know, is he, what's he going to do in my life? And I, I want to tell you this. God loves you. He loves you right where you're at. God loves you so deeply. But I want to tell you that you can't expect the blessing of God to reign in your life if you haven't gotten this obedience thing right. Yes, his love is still there. Yes, his grace is present. But I like to think of it like this. And I told the story, and my wife was sitting in first service, and she got a bit of a laugh at it because we go through this quite often. We have two precious children, and we're so thankful. But dinner time in our house can be a little stressful. Will someone say amen if you know what I'm talking about? And we have our kids, and they'll sit, and we'll make them a meal, and we'll sit down, and they'll start eating, and then they get distracted, and then they want to get up, and Jojo wants to run around the house and touch everything with his sticky fingers or whatever, and we get them back, and we get them to eat, and eventually they say, oh, we're done, and there's still food, and one of the rules is you've got to eat all the food we put on the plate. No, 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 I'm done, I'm done, and they give us all these reasons why, and we try to negotiate how many bites they've got to take before it's over, and I'm always like, hey, if we put the food there, just eat it, eat everything. And then they'll, then they'll get to this one line, I'm full. I'm full, I'm full, Daddy, I'm done, we're full, Mommy. You're full, you sure you're full? Yes, okay, so they didn't obey, do what we said that them to do. We take away the plate, and then the next question, what's for dessert? Come on, does somebody know what I'm talking about? What's for dessert? And it's like, what do you mean what's for dessert? You didn't obey in what we put before you, now you're looking for the blessing at the end? Come on, somebody. Do you know what I'm talking about? We come to God, and we say, treat, please, and he's like, you see what's in front of you? Come on. You saw what I put in front of you. What are you doing with that? It convicts me when I think about it. Now I think of my kids a little differently. I see it like a mirror to myself. I can't come saying, God, treat, please, and I haven't been obedient in what he's put before me. Okay? Do we got that? That's the first word of obedience. It's a pillar in your life. Watch what will happen in your life if you begin to bring every area that you realize is out of obedience to God. You bring it into obedience to God. And as painful and as difficult as it might be, I promise you this. God will rain down blessing in your life in areas you can never imagine. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to get some publishing, clearinghouse awards, and big checks carried to your house. How many know that the blessing of God is so much bigger than financial or material? There's a piece of this blessing that goes deeper than that. In fact, in the New Testament, there's another word for blessing. And I'm not going to write it on here because it doesn't have any symbols that look really cool or give you that meaning. But the word itself is very powerful. In the New Testament, the word for blessing 
is makarios, M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S. This word literally means blissful or happy state. It means a self-contained happiness. Jesus uses this word over and over and over again in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount and called the Beatitudes. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. Blessed. Ble- you know what I'm talking about? He's in another, some of your translations say happy is he. There's a sense of self-contained happiness. Do you want to know what it means when you're really experiencing the blessed life? Is not just that you have more stuff. Because I know a lot of people that have a lot of stuff and they're not blessed. There are a lot of people that have a lot of money. They're not blessed. Come on, Kanye West. I just used his name in a sermon. He had a lot of money. I don't even know he had a billion dollars, whatever. He wasn't blessed. He didn't have the Lord. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm excited to see whatever God's doing in this man's life. I'm praying for him. I'm listening to, trying to hear what he's talking about. I'm like, Lord, just use him. Just use him. And if anyone's struggling, saying, I, do you know about his past? Just be careful, okay? What we're doing about all of our past, um, God, God, if God's doing a genuine work here, number one, it'll show itself. We just pray for our brother and say, Lord, use him. Use him as a vessel, Lord God. Redeem his life. Set him apart. And I wasn't even planning on talking about that. But I want to tell you, he had a lot of stuff as do a lot of people that are in his circle and in other places that we look up to, they're not blessed. They don't have the blessing of God because they have no peace in their life. They have no joy. They walk around with shame and depression and guilt and, and the weight of the world on them. Jesus said there's a, different, there's a different fullness that comes with the blessing of God that not just might you receive stuff, but that you have a happiness and a joy and a peace. Are you with me still, church? Yeah, Pastor, you lost me at Kanye. Um, but this is this idea of God's blessing being poured out in someone's life. And Jesus talks about when you combine the New and the Old Testament words here and see it, you see, yes, God pours out something into your life. But as he does, the result of it, there's a fullness and, and a wholeness that comes into your life that you feel at peace, that you feel happy, that you feel um, a sense of fulfillment within yourself. The blessed life, the blessing of God being poured out. So we see this idea that for us to have this, we must be obedient to the Lord Jesus says this over and over and over again, that obedience is so vitally important. In fact, he said, if you obey these words that I teach you, you're like the person who built their house on the rock, not on the sand. And when the storms of life come, God honors your obedience. We see this over and over again. The second pillar, are you ready for it? The second pillar is stewardship. Stewardship is something that God takes very, very seriously. What we do with what he's entrusted to us, that is stewardship. That is biblical stewardship, is what are you doing with what God has given to you? Now, there's a few things you have to figure out. What has God given to me? What has God poured into my life? Now, some of us, we don't realize this, but I I do in my own life that everything I have, I believe, is from God. Everything, I'm talking about this position that I have as your pastor, the wife that God has blessed me with, the children that I have, any provision that I have, anything that I have good in this life, I accredit it to the work of Jesus Christ in my life. That Jesus has given me my life. My life isn't my own, it belongs to him. If you believe that today, if you're living your life in that way, then you have to realize my whole life is not my own. Is anyone with me that you believe that about your life? My life isn't my own. Okay, then I'm talking to you today. And some of you, if you're not raising your hand, you're not sure, I want to convince you that if Jesus has saved you, that means that what you've done in that transaction is you've given your life to him. 
He makes an exchange with you. You say, Lord, you can have my life. I don't live my life anymore. I live for the Lord. Whatever it is he wants to do. If I'm living in that reality, which is what the Bible teaches of a follower of Jesus, then my whole life is this idea of stewardship. I have to be thinking stewardship when I get up. I have to be thinking when I look at my kids, when I look at, when I look at my wife, when I look at my time, when I look at my job, when I look at my finances, when I look at it all, I should be thinking in terms of this. Lord, you've given me this. You've given me my children. You've given me my wife. You've given me my family. You've given me this many hours today. How am I stewarding them for you? How am I making good use of what you've entrusted to me? Because what a steward is, is someone that has been given something. And they have to make the highest and best use of what they've received. And as they do that, what the Lord will do is he blesses good stewardship. Are you with me? He blesses those that are good stewards of what he gives them. The greatest example is found in Matthew 25. It is the undergirding verse of scripture that holds up one of our values here at Evangel Church where we say we don't bury our talent. We don't bury our talent because there's a story about three men who are given talents, which is a measure of wealth, of resource, and then this man goes away, the one that gave it to them. And he comes back, and he wants to settle the accounts, and two of them make great returns on what they were given. They said, you've entrusted this to me, and I doubled it. And here it is. I'm giving it back to you. Better than I found it. Better than you gave it to me. But there's one who was afraid and buried his talent in the ground, did nothing with it. He's called wicked and lazy, and he's cast out of his master's presence. And what we say as a church is we don't bury our talents. We're not going to be like him. Unfortunately, so many people were like that. We're burying the gifting God has given us. We're burying the resources that God has given us. We're putting that which God has entrusted to us in the wrong places. Time, talent, money, whatever it might be. And because of that, because of that, we're not being good stewards. Are you with me today? Jesus teaches on the idea of stewardship. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in to steal, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to know that it's very important what Jesus says here at the end. He said everything's important, but this final verse is key. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, I want you to know that what, what you're stu- whatever you're stewarding, whatever you're pouring yourself into, your time, your talent, especially your resources, your monetary resources that God has put into your life, given you the capacity to earn, how you're stewarding that has a lot to do with what's going on inside your heart. That your treasure doesn't follow after your heart, your heart follows after your treasure. If you want to know where your heart is, look at what you're spending your money on. That's the, that's the biggest indicator of where, of, of, of where my heart is. And if your heart is at the Chinese buffet or at, um, at, at some other place or is it at some store in the mall that you really like or some gadgets, whatever, and what you'll find is that what you're spending your money on has a lot to say about where your heart is. Are you with me? You're like, I don't want to be with you, Pastor. I don't, I'm un- very uncomfortable by what you're talking about right now because you start talking about money, it makes us uncomfortable. Why? Because it's very close to our hearts. Are you with me? You're not with me. I'm losing all of you. Come on, stay with me. We're going to get somewhere with this. How I'm stewarding what God has given to me because my heart is connected there. If you took a bunch of your money and you invested it in one stock, 
and you placed it there. And if any of you have done that, you know what it looks like. You're looking at that stock. You're wondering about that company. Why? Because your treasure and your heart are connected to each other. Because that's where it is. What you do with what God's entrusted to you has so much to say about your heart. So you have to check your heart when it comes to this area. Say, Lord, what am I doing with what you've given me? What am I doing with what you've entrusted to me? Look to your neighbor and say, check your heart. Yeah, don't say it mean. Like, say it smiling to them when you say it. And what I found is that when we become good stewards of what God has given to us, God will give more. That's what he did in, 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 the, in the illustration there in the Scripture. And what he'll do, and he teaches it over and over and over again. We'll dive into it in weeks to come, that he blesses good stewards. He says, you've been faithful with little. I'm going to give you more now. You've been faithful here. He said, you made a good return on this. You stewarded it well. Take the talent from him. Give it to him because he's a good steward. God's blessing follows good stewardship. And so as we do that, it's, it's just so vitally important. You know, when I think about that, um, when I think about obedience and when I think about stewardship, I really think about our history as a church. You see, we're over 100 years old, and some of you have been here for a while. Some of you will remember what it was like maybe 25, 30 years ago. The church was in a completely different place. The church was in a completely different financial state. In fact, there wasn't enough money in the bank for the church to survive two weeks at that time. And we supported missionaries, and we had bills to pay, and we had utilities to keep the lights on here in the building, and all these bills became due. And we had bills that were piling up. We had missionary commitments, and we had about two weeks' worth of money in the bank. And the church was in a position to say, where are we putting the priority here? And they prayed and they got together and they looked and they said, you know what? We believe God has called us to fund these missionaries and take care of that. And we have to not allow the fear of the moment to get in the way of our obedience to what God has revealed to us. And they made a decision to say, that's what we're doing. Whatever comes will come, but we're going we're gonna to do that. And we're going to be the best stewards we can be in the meantime. And can I tell you from that moment, the leaders that are in the room, come on, somebody will testify to this that was there. There's Bob. There's people that are around. God started pouring out his blessing on this church. He started to bless financially, and the finances grew and got healthier. And then the uh, and numerically, the church started to grow, and more and more people started to call Evangel Church home. But God honored a step of obedience, poured out blessing. But as the blessing came, come on, don't miss this, they became good stewards of the blessing God has done. See, I know that evangel is a blessed church, but you know what I pray for? I don't pray for more blessing. I pray that God will make us good stewards of the blessing because I know that if we're not good stewards, then no more blessing isn't coming. So we say, Lord, make me a good steward of this. So don't, you, you don't pray for the increase. Pray for stewardship. Pray that Lord will make you faithful with what you have. If we're so fixated on the blessing anyways, our heart maybe isn't even in the right place. We say, Lord, whatever you give me, Lord, make me a good steward. When the Lord finds faithful stewards, he pours blessing out in amazing ways. And we've seen that, and then the church has grown and finance grew, and the church continued to steward that. And then you go into the third tier, the third place, the third pillar of, of, of blessing that I really believe we see clearly in God's word is this word of generosity. Generosity is such a powerful, powerful uh, word, and it's a powerful picture of God's heart. God is abundantly generous with us. And when we look at this idea of generosity, I see us modeling the heart of God. And can I tell you that some of the people that I would see that are most blessed, that have experienced the greatest measure of blessing in their lives, are the most generous people that I know. It just follows. 
Uh, and, but here's the deal. You can find people that are generous, but they're not good stewards. And that generosity doesn't result in the same kind of blessing. You can find people that are super generous, but they're not obedient. There are parts of their lives that are not being obedient to the Lord. The blessing isn't the same. When these three are working together, and I know people like this. I've seen them. And I'm just like, man, the blessing of God is just abundant in their life. And here's what I realized. Number one, they're not fixated on stuff. They're not fixated on the blessing. They're just focused on how they could be a blessing. And when your heart gets oriented that way and when you're just saying, Lord, as you bless, I'm going to be a blessing, Lord God. When the Lord sees someone that's obedient, when he sees someone that's a good steward and that they're generous, the Lord pours out blessing in some really amazing ways, in a way that I believe is sustainable, a way that I believe makes a kingdom impact. Is this making sense to anyone today? These are these three that as they're working together, the Lord does amazing, amazing things. Pastor Rick, you can come on up at this time. God's word said in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 25. One person gives freely and he gains even more. I know people like this, that I watch them and they live by this statement and Evangel has learned this because this has become, a. Th what I just told you, these three words, I believe this is the last 30 years at Evangel Church. Does anyone that's been here that long know what I'm talking about? We were obedient, God blessed, we became good stewards. As we became good stewards, God's made us abundantly generous. We've just been able to be generous and generous and generous and give away. And then as we give away, God pours back in. But we don't give away to get anything from God. We don't say, oh, I think we found the formula. If we can give this much, God will give us this much. How much do we need this month? Okay, let's just give that away and God will give it back. It doesn't work that way. Our heart is never about what we're receiving from God. It's about what God wants us to do with what he's given us. That generosity, God does something with it. He sees that. He honors it. He blesses it. I don't just want it for this church. I want it in my family. I want it in your family. I want it in your life. I want the blessing of God not just to rest here on Sundays as we gather together. I want the blessing of God to follow you and to be a part of your family and a part of your story that you don't just get to sit and tell the story about your church and what happened, but you can tell the story about your life. I obeyed God. I became a good steward, and I was generous, and the blessing of God flowed into my life. And I've seen it. My children have seen it. And it's leaving an inheritance for them. So this is the idea. So what stands in the way? What stands in the way from us experiencing this? from stepping into obedience, stepping into good stewardship, stepping into generosity. I believe it's this idea that Jesus gets at in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus calls it out, and this was such a crazy statement that he made in that time, and I don't want us to miss it. Jesus is speaking right about this. He's speaking about not storing up for yourself treasures on earth because it's all going to be gone one day, but making sure the greatest investment is in heaven. And in verse 24, he then says this, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But Jesus didn't say money when he said it. Jesus said mammon, which we have translated to mean money. But when Jesus said mammon, it got everyone's attention. Because he wasn't saying you can't serve God in shekels or money. He was talking about something so much bigger than money. Because in that time, in that area, there was a god of a neighboring people group that was called Mammon, who was the god of wealth and prosperity and status. And what he said was, to the religious leaders of the time, to the people that were the Jewish people, the people that thought they had it all together, the people that were giving money in the offerings and doing all he says, you can't serve God and Mammon. He was indicting them. 
because they were trying to bow down to both masters. And he's saying at some point in time, you're going to love one and hate the other. They're incompatible with each other. You can't be a good steward in your life when you're torn between two masters. You can't be obedient. You can't be generous in the right way. You can't honor the heart of God if you're torn between both of these. There's an attitude of mammon, a, a spiritual attitude, a spirit that still permeates the minds of people that live today. I believe that mammon's still alive and well. People are still bowing down to wealth and status and stuff. And as we chase after it, it makes it so difficult to fully honor God, to experience the blessing that he has for us because we're reaching for something else and someone else. Would you stand to your feet with me today? The first step you could take today is you can not waver between two any longer, but if you feel that that's a deep struggle in your heart, that perhaps this idea of mammon, of, sta of status, of wealth, of, of stuff, of what people think, of keeping up with the Joneses, of keeping, keeping up with the next, of the idea of what the world says is successful, that is your measuring stick. The greatest thing you could do today is you can make a declaration in your life to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm throwing out that measuring stick. I'm casting down mammon. I'm turning aside from it. Lord, I want at the end of my days you to be the one that measures whether I've been successful, what I've done. And Lord, I want to be a good steward of what you've given to me. And I believe today if we turn our hearts towards the Lord, the Lord will be honored and he will begin to move in our lives in amazing ways. The word says this, if your heart is troubled over this me message, over this idea, over what's going on in this area. The Lord says in Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. To delight yourself in the Lord, that word delight is literally wrap yourself around, like fully immerse yourself in. Delight yourself, immerse yourself in the Lord. Completely wrap your heart, your life, everything around him, and he will begin to give you the desires of your heart. This verse is a little tricky, though, because what happens when you delight yourself in the Lord is your heart begins to change, and you begin to want what God wants, and the desires of your heart become aligned with his heart. And as that happens, the Lord says this, when your heart's aligned with my heart, I pour everything out. Trust me, I will give you the desires of your heart. The blessing of God flows into hearts that are ready to receive it, hearts that are delighted in him, hearts that are aligned with him. So I want to pray right now for you. And if you need this word today, if you need to respond to the Lord in one of these areas, say, Lord, I see it. I see it in your word, Lord God. I want to be obedient. I want to be a good steward. I want to be generous. Whatever area or areas the Lord is placing on your heart, we're going to pray today. And I'd ask you today, just like we saw in this symbol, hands lifted, hands open. I want you just to open your hands to heaven and say, Lord, I open my hands to you, Lord God. I lift my arms to you today, Lord God. Just like people have been doing for thousands of years, Lord, they've been looking to heaven, Lord God, knowing that you are our source, you are our provider, you are the God who gives, Lord God. We bless your name today, and we look at you as the source of blessing in our lives, and we pray today, Lord God, that you would rain down with your blessing, Lord God, that you would not withhold it, Lord God, but that our lives would be marked by the blessing, by the favor of God. Lord, we pray today that you would align our hearts with your heart that you would make us obedient, Lord God, to honor you, Lord, in public, in private, Lord God. <clears throat> what you've called us to, we would fulfill those things. That you'd make us good stewards in this season, Lord God, and beyond.
Teach us, Lord God, what does it mean to be a good steward of every area you've entrusted to us. Make that our prayer. Make that our heart's desire, Lord God. Make it something we think about, Lord, just like anything else that's priority in our lives, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, give us your heart, Lord God. Break, Lord, down, Lord, a stronghold of mammon, Lord God. Break down an attitude, Lord God, that clings so deeply to this stuff that the world says is successful, Lord God. Wipe it from our hearts, we pray today, Lord God. It has no place in our home, in our lives, in our hearts, Lord God. Instead, we look to you. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, this will be the beginning of a journey, Lord, where you rain down your blessing in the hearts and lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And I feel led just to pray this blessing over you. It's found in Numbers. And it's a, prayer, it's a prayer of blessing. It says this, now the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he lift his countenance on you. May the Lord bless you with his peace. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, you can come forward. If not, you're free to go. Please make yourself available to everything, the great things that are going on in the foyer. We'll see you on Wednesday night for our prayer service. Please come out ready to pray and next Sunday morning as we continue our series.